Now, you might have heard the story of how illegal immigrants were flown to suburban New York in the middle of the night. Many of you might have the question, who's funding this and which company is doing that? Well, that company is called MVM Inc. and they're doing that with your taxpayer dollars. Now, today we have a very special guest. We have a whistleblower employee who's going to be talking to us about how this same company is shipping migrant children throughout the U.S. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, just to get started, for those of us in the audience who might not know what MVM Inc. is, can you explain to us what your company is and what they do? It's a company that focuses on getting, uh, they call it UCs, unaccompanied children, unaccompanied minors, getting them from point A to point B. And most of the time, point A is from a shelter uh, all, all throughout Texas and all across the country. And point B is with a sponsor. Most of the time it's a family member, but lately the numbers are so crazy that it's no longer family members, it's family friends, uh, people who are willing to take them in. And a lot of the times they don't even know each other. So my job is to show up. I get a blue folder that tells me where I'm going, who's my partner, and where we're gonna be picking kids up. And my job is to be with them on the airplanes, be with them on the buses. Sometimes it's buses and sometimes it's charter planes. When it's charter planes, we move anywhere between 200 to 300 kids on one plane. It won't just be one plane. There will be two, three planes at a time that leave. I do know that when we start off, we'll drop off in Texas. So we'll go from one plane in Texas to another. And then these same charter planes will go to New York, we'll go to California, we'll go to Washington, and then they'll finish off in Oregon or another state nearby. So it's not just one state, it's not just one drop off. You go to one destination, drop off the kids that are getting off there, and then you continue on. So if you could give us an estimate, how many children per month do you think are being moved just in the Texas area? Well, like I said, it's between all the all the offices, it's in the thousands, I say eight to 10, but that's in one week. So in a month, I would say around 40,000, 30,000 kids. Well, that's what I call a cold open right there. Um, kind of a started a little too early, but anyway. All right, we've got that. That was an interview by Savannah Hernandez. And if you uh, look her up, you'll see the full interview. That's just a two-minute and 40-second clip uh, segment out of her interview with an MVM Inc. employee. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more here, um, and we're going to get into the uh, our Bible study in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 3. Uh, who is a God like, who is like Yahweh? Uh, before we get into that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us. We thank you for the the protection that you've given us throughout today and uh, the the blessings that you've given us. Um, I'm thankful for the 
provisions that you've given me. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends, for my church family, uh, and the relationships there. Um, I pray that you would con- continue to be with me, be with my family, protect us, keep us safe. I pray that you bless the uh, the Bible study tonight and then the exposure of what the wicked one is doing. Uh, help us to have a clear thoughts and a clear mind, clear speech to present your word according to your will. And we'll give you the glory and the praise in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So let's touch on a little bit about that interview segment that we just had. Um, so what my goal is as I teach on, on this podcast is to expose the wicked one expose his tactics and his tendencies and base current events since we're, we are alive currently, presently, we are alive in God's word. Even though it was written a couple thousand years ago or so over a span of a few thousand years, does not make it irrelevant. It is the most relevant, especially in this time. And especially as we do this study in the, in the book of Micah, the minor prophet Micah, his name means who is like Yahweh, we'll see that there is definitely no one like Yahweh, and there never will be. He is God. He is the God. He is our provider. He is the judge. And he will ultimately bring judgment upon all. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about the human trafficking, especially the child trafficking. As you heard in that interview, the it's... I mean, I know about this already, about the trafficking. That's why the border is open, is the fact that the government is making money on people, selling people into trades, slave trades and sex trades. And, I mean, that's what they're doing. That's corrupt. That's why the border is open. Um, It's just, it's sad to think that it's our country that's doing this, our government that's doing this. Um, It's not the American people. It's not us. As Christians, we know all all people are made in the image of God and we have value. Um, We're not products. We're not materials. And we, we definitely shouldn't be trading or selling or abusing people, and especially children. Um, Jesus actually said in Matthew 18, 6, he said that anyone who offends any one of these little ones is better to take a millstone and tie it about their neck and throw them in the ocean. Um, Some harsh words, but it's fact. And uh, we'll see the same sentiment here in the book of Micah here in a few moments. But it is is it is surprising to 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 hear how many children are actually being trafficked per week and per month 
Now, you don't hear this um, on the mainstream media. I don't really hear about this at all, except when I'm listening to uh, podcasts that I listen to and doing the research that I do is really the only time that I hear anything about this. There are actually some billboards that are up in my area in South Carolina that are calling this out, the human trafficking, and there's call numbers on there to contact if you if you have found, if you have any information on that. But the fact is that it's, it's uh, every town is a border town, meaning it affects all of us. And it's putting a lot of stress on our structure, on the society, but ultimately it's, it's um, violating our principles and values that we have and protections of humans, of people. And those that are dealing in this, the sale of children are despicable. Now in that interview, you hear that the, the whistleblower said that it's the company is MVM Inc. Um, that it, or Savannah said that, that that's the one the whistle where the whistleblower is from. So the fact is the government is paying for these children. Uh, thirty to forty thousand children being trafficked a month. And they don't have a clue where they are going. It started out when they were trickling in that they would have trained officers or agents what uh, working with the children and made sure that they had contact with family members. And it's gotten to the point that it's so out of control that people will just walk up without papers, without identification, without being vetted and say, Hey, I'm here for kids. And they hand them the kids. Uh, they've, they're being shipped all over the place in the country, but it needs to be stopped. James one twenty seven says pure religion and undefiled before God is this to help the fatherless and the widow in their time of need and to be unspotted from the world. This is a huge blemish on our country. And as if you've heard me before, you'll understand uh, the view. The fact is, the truth is that we are a Christian nation and this, these kind of actions are very appalling and they're unacceptable, and yet they're going on. There's a lot of people denying the fact that it's going on, and they want to ignore it, but ignoring it does not make it go away. So we have to call it out. We're responsible to call it out, and if we are ever in a situation where we're exposed to this, we have the responsibility, the duty to... Um, uh, take action and prevent it or resolve the situation. Uh, we need to speak up, stand up against it. Um, I've had where I live here, the place, the 
the home we're in now. We've been here going on four years. And in the first year, um, I think we were already settled in. We had everything moved in. And one day while I was at work, um, a van had pulled in to the edge, actually to our neighbor's yard, the the neighbors uh, adjacent to us, I think to the edge of their yard, right there's like a, a row of trees dividing their yard from the, the house on the other side of them. And the, one of the neighbors, I can't remember if it was the neighbor spotted it or my wife had spotted it first, but there was a van that had parked in the ditch there where they could see my house. And of course, my kids are out there playing. They were playing in the yard. And that van was sitting there watching my kids playing in the yard. And the neighbor spotted them and walked out to confront them. And when they walked, started walking out to the van, the van sped off. And so it was pretty apparent by that that they were... I'm assuming they were going to uh, kidnap a child if they had the opportunity. Um, that happened a couple times. And I actually, so I warned a couple of the neighbors who had children. And I'd also had spotted a, another van. Two vans were actually going to the neighborhood here and doing that. I guess, um, sitting on houses that had children playing in the yard. And the thing is that here in this area, they're not far off the interstate. You could get from this neighborhood. I'm, I'm kind of in the country, but there's a neighborhood, a road down from me. But you could get on the interstate and be out of the state, headed out of the state in like two minutes. So it would be difficult to track you down. So it's real. It's happening. I have some experience in that, and I hope that I never have any more personal experience in that. But uh, if someone attempts that, and I'm, let's pray that doesn't happen. That's a terrible thing to think about, that that could happen to your kids, uh, that they could be kidnapped, taken away. But the chances of that has actually escalated in recent time. My wife has told me of numerous times being at the grocery store, being at a Walmart, and numerous times being followed through the store. Um, one or two guys casing the place, casing the aisle, following her around, and I mean, you have to watch it. You have to be careful. There's been several times in this lo this local area where they, at a certain distraction that they would they would um, put out there, is when you're uh, walking out of the store and you walk to your vehicle, there will be a some sort of distraction on the vehicle, like a rock or a zip tie on the mirror 
something like that will make you look and turn away from your door or from your child in the, I see a lot of people leaving their kid in the shopping cart as they access their vehicle, which is a dumb move. Um, always keep your kids in front of you. Keep your eyes on them. Um, but this is going on. It's kind of, it's rampant. Besides that, having to worry about your own kids, they're trafficking thousands of kids across the border. And no one knows who they belong to or where they're going. They're trafficked across the border, shipped by bus and plane, and then disappear. And there's another aspect to this, which is a um, SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse. And so the possibility is that these children are being used for that trafficking and also satanic rituals. Um, I mean, it's wicked, but the, the prince and power of the air is the devil. So what do you think he's doing? Sitting at the park having a picnic? All right, so I wanted to warn you about that, and uh, hopefully that has uh, opened your eyes a little bit to that. And if you know someone that may not be aware of this, if you're aware of it already, uh, share this uh, podcast to those that need to hear that and may need to be warned and look out for it. All right, let's get into the uh, this Bible study. Let's go to the book of Micah. And it's uh, Micah chapter 3. And so Micah's kind of a, it's a warning or judgment. He's calling judgment onto wicked people and to wicked nations. And we had seen in chapter 1, we see the judgment on Samaria, judgment on Judah. And we see what the judgment is. What will God carry out? How will he carry it out? Uh, we see in his judgment that there's also a restoration after repentance, after obedience. And we pick up from there in um, Micah chapter 3. Now this is going to be judgment on princes and it's kind of a, this is a, a judgment on political people that are taking advantage of the people. And God does not hold that lightly. He, he holds all accountable that take his people, take advantage of his people, that betray his people. That is his creation, human beings, and anyone that's put in place that takes a position over the rule over other people has a huge responsibility to lead people to rule people in in um, mercy and kindness and uh, gentleness and uh, with character integrity but those that don't follow God and rule, and morality will be judged and torn down. There are consequences. Well, we're going to see some of those consequences here in uh, chapter 3. So let's begin. And I said, Here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not hard or not for you to know judgment? 
who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them. They break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot and as flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. Judgment on Prophets Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err, that bite with their teeth and cry, Peace, and he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. Therefore night shall be unto you that ye shall not have a vision, and it shall be dark unto you that ye shall not divine. And the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment, and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgression, and to Israel his sin. Promise of Future Judgment Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob, and princes of the house of Israel, that abhor judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood, and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge for reward, and the priests thereof teach for hire, and the prophets thereof divine for money. Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house as high places of the forest. So, Micah 3, verse 1, And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment? who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones. So he calls attention to the princes. Now, the princes are supposed to be leaders of the people. They're not yet in the primary role as a king, but they have a position of leadership as a ruler. And he asked the question, is it not for you to know judgment? In that sort of position, you're supposed to treat everyone fairly and justly. But there's a problem here with the princes that God calls out through Micah. Notice in verse 2, he says, they hate good and they love evil. So just like today, um, good is bad and bad is good. Everything is perverted. Everything is backwards from the way it's supposed to be. Good is supposed to be good. Holy things are supposed to be holy. Evil things are, should be seen as evil. Wicked things should be seen as wicked. And we're supposed to separate ourselves from those wicked things and those evil things. 
but that's not the case now in a lot of situations where we'd rather especially in our in our government we see that they're trafficking children for profit now God has something to say about it, and he actually calls that out here in this chapter. He says, those that hate good and those that love evil. Interesting uh, fact, historical fact on our country. If we go back to the Pilgrim days, they had sometime after had bought a few colonies and founded a few colonies. There was a slave ship that, that uh, beached on near Plymouth rock and the pilgrims had or caught wind of the ship, realized it was a slave ship and the pilgrims, um, the early colonists, they, arrested the crew of the ship. <clears throat> they arrested the crew of the ship and they got a crew of their own and sent the slaves back to where they were kidnapped from and set them free. And not many people know about that. Not many people understand that this is a Christian nation and always has been. And there's a lot of deception. So if you'll start reading the history books, you'll start seeing what actually happened. And I don't mean the history books that they keep revising. But there's those that hate good and those that love evil. Seems like he's talking about our government, talking about the politicians. They lie every chance they get. They talk a lot, but don't act a lot. They act out. They don't ever keep their word. And notice the extent of their wickedness here in verse 3. He says, Who also they eat the flesh of my people and flay their skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot, and as flesh within the cauldron. Now here, um, whether this is a metaphor or whether it is literal, it would actually be true either way. Because the wicked ones were sacrificing their children to Moloch and to Baal. They turned their backs on God and decided to worship the gods of the devil. And Moloch is a is a a a pagan god from an area near Jerusalem near Judah east of there and 
that's what they decided to do as princes was lead the people to do wicked things. And instead of worshiping God and his temple and his holy places, they defiled those places and began human sacrifices. And that is still going on. And I think that's got something to do with this child trafficking as horrid as that sounds. The fact is that the devil is still doing now what he used to be doing. And it says that they filleted, that means filleted their skin. They like, they filleted the skin from off them. They broke their bones in pieces. They chopped them in pieces for the pot and as the flesh uh, with the cauldron. So we see that they um, whether I said it's either metaphorically or literally, either way, they are destroying the people that they're supposed to be leading instead of doing good to them. As in James 1, he says, pure religion and undefiled before God is to help them. Instead, they are taking advantage of them and destroying their livelihood, destroying their uh, humanity, taking advantage of them and, and pretty much stealing stealing their life from them, stealing everything they have from them. Now, when the judgment of God comes upon them, they're going to say, oh, oh, save me. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't, I'll quit doing what I'm doing. But it's going to be too late because they've already committed the actions. They've already turned their back on God. They've already rejected him. Because verse 4, he says, Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doings. They have com committed heinous crimes against the people and God will judge. That judgment is coming. It came to them and it will come to those that are disobedient now. Those that have rejected God. Micah, who is like Yahweh? There is no one like him. He will hold all accountable. He will hold me accountable. He will hold you accountable for what we've done. He's keeping an, an account of what we're doing. He is concerned because like a loving father is concerned with his children. God is concerned about us because he has compassion on us. Now verse 5 through verse 8 is a judgment to the prophets. Now the prophets, if you'll remember, if you'll read Exodus and you'll see Moses, um, the, the, the account of Moses confronting Pharaoh and Aaron confronting the, the Egyptian magicians, you'll see the diviners and you'll see that they could, they could copy everything that the Lord did through Aaron and his staff 
He turned a staff into a snake. The magicians turned their staffs into snakes. And they could copy what everything, everything that Aaron could do, they could do. So these prophets here, there's a judgment on the prophets because they're supposed to de deliver the word of God. They're messengers of God's word. And yet they decided to go after the devil instead of follow after God. So here's the judgments for them. He says, thus saith the Lord concerning the prophets that make my people err. That means make my people to fall, um, to make a mistake. That means they're off the straight and narrow path onto the winding path full of destruction. He says that bite with their teeth and cry peace. And he that putteth not into their mouths, they even prepare war against him. So instead of feeding his people with the word of God and with direction and guidance of holy things, they're taking advantage of him. It says they bite with their teeth and they cry peace. So in other words, they're uh, tearing apart the people, but saying, peace, peace. We have peace. We can have understanding. We have uh, fellowship here. And yet they're destroying. It's like that wolf that is uh, infiltrates the, uh, the, the sheepfold, the wolf in sheep's clothing. If you don't know what you're looking for, he fits in. But once he gets the opportunity, he um, destroys the sheep and takes their blood. That's what these prophets are doing. So they're filling their own mouths and destroying everyone in their wake. He says in verse 6, Therefore night shall be unto you, that you shall not have a vision. All right, so notice that their power that these prophets had to either see the future, to either understand a vision, would be, they would, from this point, once judgment came upon them, they would be incapable of doing it. There would be a darkness, so they would be blind. He said, you shall not have a vision, it shall be dark to you. You shall not divine, and the sun shall go down over the prophets, and the day shall be dark over them. So they will be as blind men. Instead of being able to manipulate the people, they would have to beg. There would be a darkness over them where they couldn't see, and they could not discern which way to go. He says, Then shall the seers be ashamed, and the diviners confounded. Yea, they shall all cover their lips. So this is a, an example of they'd be astonished, they'd be ashamed. They lost their powers. They cover their mouths because they're, they're at a loss for words. They're humiliated before their followers. They're in their selfishness and in their pride. They had followers and they were, they were, um, conceited in the fact that they were following them instead of delivering God's word to them they were making money on God's people 
They were taking advantage. They were making a profit. He said, they shall cover their lips, for there is no answer of God. This is a warning. Once the judgment comes, it's too late. The judgment is just. The judgment is sure. This It's a promise that the, the Lord will keep. Verse 8. He says, but truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and of judgment and of might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. The sin of the people have to be called out. And if there's no repentance, then there's judgment. And that's the way it goes. If you go on down the line from Genesis all the way through, if you go all the way down through the Judges, the Chronicles, to the Kings, the days of Samuel, uh, there's there's that in that order. God gives us a law to follow. He expects obedience. If there's disobedience, he gives a warning, a time for repentance. If there's no repentance, then there's judgment. And that judgment is sure without repentance. Verse 9 through verse 12 is a promise of a future judgment. He says, Hear this, I pray you, ye heads of the house of Jacob and princes of the house of Israel that abhor or hate judgment and pervert all equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. Now he's calling out these, these leaders of state, these heads of state, these men of power, men of position and notice that they build up Zion with blood that's not a good way to build a city building it on blood taking advantage of people taking people's lives taking their um, well-being from them see that's what people accuse America of doing is that we've taken advantage of people and we stole things from them and that we have always ripped people off from the beginning of our time. That's not a godly way to act. Um, the colonies of this country, and that's why I keep bringing it up because I'm an, uh, I am an American. I am a patriot, and it's important to rehearse our history and to understand it, to learn it. I don't, I don't have all the history. I don't, haven't learned all of it, but I know enough, and I keep learning. But if you go back to the pilgrims, is you have to go back. If they say we've been that way from the beginning, we must go to the beginning to and see if we were. But I'm always reminded of the time that when the pilgrims came and they needed help. Now keep in mind that the the pilgrims and those on the those came off the the Mayflower, uh, William Bradford, um, and those they purchased the land from the Indians that they were on, Rhode Island, 
Connecticut, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. They bought the land from them. They didn't steal the land. They made a tract, a, a tract, a compact with the Indians. And they traded with the Indians. And kind of the first season or two, um, I mean, you if you pull up onto a, a beach and a ship, I mean, you've got nothing. You have to start from scratch. Well, the Indians helped them get on their feet. They helped them build their houses and they showed them how to grow the food in this environment. And I like to think of, uh, remember Squanto, an Indian that helped them out and he showed them how to plant the maize, how to plant the corn. And they had a good relationship. The white men and the Indians until somebody wanted to, somebody came that was evil, wanted to ruin it. But there was a godly relationship there. So there's judgment coming to those that want to disturb and pervert the relationship that we have with other people. And they want to lie about the true way. They want to lie about the truth of the matter. And there's judgment for that. So God calls out the princes. He calls out the heads of the house of Jacob, the princes of the house of Israel that hate judgment and pervert equity. They build up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. The heads thereof judge. Notice why they, they how they judge. They judge for reward, for personal benefit. The priests teach for hire and the prophets divine for money. They're all in it for their own advantage. They're all in it for their own profit. And that's not what a uh, leader is there for. A leader is a servant to the people because they have compassion on them and they want to help them sustain them, help them grow. So God is calling out through Micah, the wicked leaders of his nation. And he's doing that now, even with our nation, those that hate God, those that despise him and do not follow his ways will be brought down. That includes the nation that forgets God. And I hope that we're not that nation. I hope that we will repent. I hope those that love God, that are called according to his purpose, will wake up and, and speak out and resist the devil and his wicked ways and help those that are in need. Help the fatherless, the widows, help the orphans. That's our job. If we love Jesus and we have compassion, that's what we're going to do is help those that need help. We're not going to ignore them like the scribes. We're not going to ignore them like the priests or the Pharisees. 
But like the Samaritan will stop and check on their condition and help them recover. But we see that they're they're being judged because they the priest teach for hire, the prophets divine for money, and the heads judge for reward so they can be compensated, not so they could judge fairly, not so they could seek out a matter and understand both sides of the story and have a verdict that's just. No, it's because of money, because they want to get rich and drain tax people to death so that they can be rich. That's ungodly. That's evil. So verse 11, he says, Yet will they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? None evil can come upon us. See, in their arrogance, they think, God accepts what I'm doing. Like, the, these, um, the, like somebody calls them demoncrats. And that's, it's, I'm, it's good versus evil. And I bring that up because a lot of them claim to be Catholics. And I think there's a lot of Catholics that are, hide their face every time they say that because they don't resemble any Catholic I know. And they'll lean upon the Lord saying, hey, well, isn't he with us? Doesn't He's right beside me. He's right there with me. None evil can come upon us. We're his, we're, we're his, the shepherds of his people. We take care of his people. He's not going to do anything to us. Yet judgment is coming because you've taken advantage of God's people. They think, oh, we're safe. God's on our side, but that's the opposite is true. He says, verse 12, Therefore shall Zion, for your sake, be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps and the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. So according to verse 12, that because of these leaders taking advantage of the people for money, God is going to level them to the ground. He will destroy them. He's going to take the city and level it like a field, plow it. What does a plow do? A plow cuts deep. It tears the the hard hardness of the earth and crushes it and crumbles it and splits it. That's what God is going to do to the wicked leader. Jerusalem shall become heaps. What is a heap? The heaps, there are trash, trash dumps. Wasteland. Just a pile of junk. I don't want my country to be a pile of junk. So these leaders that are committing these crimes against humanity, 
need to uh, repent. Anyone that's been pushing the vaccines, they need to repent. It doesn't matter who it is. If you're pushing it, it's been... How long? It's been a year and... What, a year and eight months, maybe? And they've killed thousands of people, wounded millions. Um, Bolsonaro, Brazil, he apologized and said he was lied to and tricked into using them. Ron DeSantis said he was wrong, said he was lied to, and he denounced them. That's what a leader does. Once he realizes he's been duped, he corrects it. That's what makes a good leader. Because he is there for the people. If that leader does not auto-correct, God will correct him and bring him down. Therefore shall Zion for your sake be plowed as a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps in the mountain of the house as the high places of the forest. They will be desolate. It'll be a wilderness. Notice the house as the high places of the forest. There's a lot of barren land on the high places of the forest. Uh, normally they're rocky. Normally at the very top of a high place, I'm thinking of a mountain anyway, there's no water. Nothing really grows there. There's a point once you get to a high place that trees don't grow. And so on. It's a desolate place, a desolate situation. And that the leaders that turn their back on God, that disobey, bring this upon themselves. So I admonish those, anyone that's in this position, to heed the warning of Micah. Micah chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. While it is still in your hands to do something about it. Uh, so we're going to close this podcast here. I hope you enjoyed that. The study of Micah. Uh, we've gone over now Micah chapter 1 and Micah chapter 2, and we're going to continue verse by verse. Uh, we normally cover a chapter in each podcast. Depends on how much we cover. Um, but thanks for listening. I pray that you share this with, with others. And... Comment and follow if you haven't already. Um, I'd like to hear from you on your perspective of the contents of the podcast. Thanks for listening. We're going to close in prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for what you've done for us what you've given us. I thank you for the 
thank you for what you've done for us, what you've given us, and the opportunity to be able to study your word in the book of Micah, chapter 3. And it's always important to see the consequences to our actions, and that's what you call out, what you had Micah call out to the kings and princes and rulers, the judges and the the diviners, the, the prophets of the people, those that had power to influence others, have a huge responsibility to lead them the right way. And I pray that we would be mindful of that and help us to lead others in our respective places as maybe fathers, mothers, pastors, whatever the case is, that we would be responsible as teachers, as bosses, whatever the case is, that we would lead, guide, and direct the way you would have us to because we follow you and look at your example that you left for us. I thank you for what you've done, what you've given us. Help us to, in this this world where it's always been a war, a spiritual war, it's always been a war between good and evil. Help us to resist. Help us to first trust God, then resi resist the devil. And you promise that the devil will flee from us. There's not enough trust in God at the moment, but we hope to increase that. We thank you for what you've done. We give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.